0: to have head knowledge, just for that. He didn't create you just to know things, but he created you to do good works. So the thing, the experience that you've had, the knowledge, that the information that you got, do it now, apply it to your life. Do the good works that God already had planned for you before you were even born. Think about that, amen? So I just want to encourage you guys, and we're just going to pray right now, we're going to worship the Lord, amen? Father, Lord, we just thank you for this morning. Thank you for another day of life. We thank you for the gospel, my God. Lord, it is not over yet, God. Speak to us again, Lord, this morning, Lord Father God. Fill us with the Holy Spirit again, my God. Anoint this place, oh God. Speak to your children, oh God, this morning. Oh Lord, we glorify you. We bring you praise and glory, oh God. Receive this praise. Receive our worship, God. In Jesus' name we pray,
1: amen. Come on, church. How many of you guys know there's no one that can love us like our God? Come on. Put your hands together this morning.
2: We worship you, Lord. It's no one like you. Come on, say
1: It's no one like you, Lord. Oh. Come on, let me sing. No one
2: else. Every voice. Well, no one else can love you like I love you, Lord. Because I was made unique in your heart. I was made to be. Glory. You made me for, for your, your glory well, Now I have a purpose Now I have a destiny You made me for your glory You made me on, for your sing. glory oh. No one else can I love out Like I love you, Lord, Lord. I was made you unique in your heart I was made to bring you I was made you. unique in Your heart. I was made to bring You, you. Now I, well, now I have a purpose. Now I have a destiny. You made me for Your glory. You made me for Your glory. Well now I have a purpose. Well, now I have a destiny. You made me for Your glory. Every voice, I no, one else. Here we go. Well, no one else can love you like God. I love you, Lord. Sing it I out, church, this, this morning. Let's lift it. Come on. In your heart, I will made to bring you joy. No, no one else can love you like God. I love you, Lord. Because I was made you. have a purpose and now I have a destiny you made me for your glory you made me for your glory and now I have a purpose now I have a destiny you made me for your glory you made me for your glory and now I have a purpose now I have a destiny. You made me for Your glory. You made me for Your glory. One more time, glory. sing it out. Now I have a purpose. And now I have a destiny. You made me for Your glory. You made me for Your glory. Come on, put your
1: hands here this morning. Come on. This past weekend we just had a conference, The Glorious Gospel. And God was touching people's hearts and lives in this place. Amen. This is what we're going to do. We're going to have a time of testimony in this place. Come on. So if I can have Berto come on up here with the mic. We're going to testify in this place. Amen. So I want you guys to start thinking of the things the Lord did in your heart and your life this weekend. Come on. Man, isn't God good? We're going to testify in this place to encourage the body. To let people know, hey, he did it for me. He can do it for you. Amen. So come on up here. Come on. Take your time. Come on.
3: you to say to keep your faith because god is strong god is here he brought me back to metro praise after i left i left and i came back and i'm here and i received the holy ghost this week, and by the grace of god and i pray just
2: pray because you will receive just have faith in god
1: come on someone else
0: i just want to hear share That this weekend, God has just put more and more fire Into the fire of furnace in my heart And I want to encourage everybody here He breaks chains Who the sun sets free
2: Truly, He is free indeed Come on
3: I just want to say that although I was working with the daycare, with the children in the back, on our way back on um, the other day from just dropping off the children, a man outside told me, I felt compelled to come from this place. That's how much glory the Lord was showing. The Holy Spirit is powerful and it has authority, and it draws people in from the outside into his house of prayer. I want
4: to share that the Lord cast out the fear that is in me for my future. I want to tell you that God is in control. And I don't have to be of about my future. Amen.
1: Come on, is there anybody else in this place? Come on.
3: Literally, I just want to testify that the Lord has been good despite circumstances, despite anything that's come about. God is good. He is faithful. And he is our refuge. So trust in Him, even when you don't understand.
2: Come, let's sing that out. Now I have. Oh, now I have, now I have a purpose. Now I have a destiny. Oh, You made me for Your glory. You made me for Your glory. Now I have a, now I have a purpose. Now I have a destiny. You made me for Your glory. You made me for Your glory. Now I have a purpose. Now I have a destiny
3: You made me for your glory You made me for, for your one more time. glory see it out, sing Now, now I. I have a purpose Now I have a destiny
2: You made me for your glory You made me for your well,
1: glory out Who the sun sets free It's free indeed And there ain't no change Zach and him down we'll Go shake those hands yeah, 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 hallelujah, yeah, 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 yeah. who the sun sets free, is free indeed.
2: and the rain don't no change, that can hinder me, hallelujah, yeah, 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 yeah. hallelujah. Who the, the sun sets free, it's free empty, and the rain don't no change, that can hinder me, hallelujah, yeah, 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 yeah. hallelujah, yeah. God sets free, it's free and deep, and there ain't no chains that can hinder me, hallelujah, hallelujah, yeah, give him a shout of praise in this place, hallelujah, hallelujah, praise the Lord.
1: We praise you, God, in this place. From just hearing the testimonies of what God did, isn't he good? That the glory of the Lord was so thick in this place that people outside, when they walked by, they said, Man, I'm compelled to come into this place. Something's drawing me in. You know what the Bible says? That when Jesus is lifted up, he brings all men unto him. Come on, let's lift him up in this place right now. Come on, let's believe God he can do it right now. In this place, we lift you up, God. We praise your mighty name, the only creator, the glorious God of this gospel. Come on. We lift you up, Lord.
2: We give you the highest praise.
1: We sing higher than the mountains that I face,
2: and be stronger than the power of the pain Yes, He's
1: constant through the trials and the change
2: It's one thing remains It's one thing remains. We'll sing, we love your love never gives it, never never gives up. Your love, Your love. Your friends, never gives it, never runs
1: again, sing high then.
2: you higher, guys. In life, in death, in life, I'm confident and covered by the power of your great love. My death is pain, there's nothing that can separate my heart from your. Your love never fails. And never gives up. Never runs out. Declared in this place. Fails and
1: never gives never up, runs
2: out on never people, runs God. Out on me. love.
1: Place. come on oh church begin to
2: thank them right now we thank you for your love Lord. oh we thank you god even in our darkest hour you are good come on and thank Him. i thank you god for salvation i thank you for the cross oh i thank you for a new life a new mind a new hearts come on thank Him, thank Him. Come on, right now. Just begin to thank the Lord for three things right now. Oh, I bless you, God, for providing for me. Oh, for meeting me, Lord. I thank you for my church. Come on, thank Him. Oh,
1: thanksgiving God we're thankful we're thankful God we have everything in you
2: Holy Spirit come on come on we have all things in you come on Holy Spirit
1: we thankful for your move we're thankful even now God Looking forward to what you have in store for your church. Come on, church. Right now is the time we're just gonna allow the Holy Spirit to just use you, be used of the Lord this morning. Come on, he's not done. He still wants to speak words. Come on, Holy Spirit,
2: Lord I'm to say have your way. Come on.
1: a new day with the Lord come on right now if you're just saying to yourself I need to be freshened by the Lord come on some of you guys may have been here with us this entire weekend where God was pouring in you might have missed the past couple of days but you're here right now and God wants to freshen you right now come on he wants to give you his Holy Spirit come on right now is a sign of surrender if you're saying man that's me that's me right now God has my number come on just lift your hands in his place all across the room, we're lifting our hands. We're saying more, Holy Spirit. It's okay to say more, Holy Spirit.
2: Ooh. Come fill us up, Lord. Bless you, God. Just let them fill you up right now. Holy Spirit, come touch their hearts and lives. Oh, by the power of the Lord. Come on, it's yours. It's yours. Come on. There's no begging. There's no asking God, come on, it's yours, he gives freely, oh, just receive in His place, we receive your precious Lord, we receive your Holy Spirit, namaste, oh, refreshing right now, refreshing on you, come on, hands lifted up, oh, we surrender, God, oh. up and have your way to.
1: We're gonna sing this next song. It's a new song. We're gonna teach it to you. But the song is called The Laid-Down Lover."
2: What I want to be, love sick warrior. You're all I want to see, so I give my all to thee. Deep. deep inside is a Nazarite cry. You captured my gaze with the fire in your eyes. Who's thing I want to be? I want to be extravagant lover And offering a sacrifice for me I'm fighting you I'm fighting you My passion and pleasure Till I'm consumed with the spirit of good Come sing it in, I want to be I want to be an extravagant lover And offering a sacrifice for Thee When every voice, I find in You I am in You my passion and pleasure Till I consume the spirit of birth Lay down. Lay down, lover. That's what I wanna be. That's what I wanna be. Love sick warrior. You're all I wanna see. So I am you to lay down. Lay down, That's what I wanna. Be. That's what I want A to love sick love, sick warrior You're all I want to see, see. To I in my all to be Deep inside There's an I cry You capture my gaze With the fire in your eyes I want to be That's Lord. I find in you. I find in you. My passion and pleasure till I'm consumed with the spirit of burning. Lay down. Lay down, the that's what I wanna be. That's on, what right I out. wanna be. Love, sick, warrior. You're all I wanna see. So I give my ultimate lay down, lay, lay down. down love, Malcolm, lay down this place. That's, that's what I wanna be. be. That's, what that's what I wanna be. be. Love, sick, why warrior, you're all I wanna see. So I'm I don't lay down, my me. So lay down. A lover, that's what I wanna be. That's what I wanna be. A sick warrior. hallelujah all i want to see so I come on sing that again hallelujah hands lifted another. up in this place come on worship That's him worship him worship him hallelujah what do you want to be today what do you want to be today all I want to today Come on, lift him up. Lift him up. That's what I want to be. That's what I want to be. Love, say, warrior, you're all I want to see. You're all I want to see, God.
0: Hallelujah. Give him praise in this place. Come on, give him praise. Lift up a shout of praise right now. Lift up a shout of praise. Lift up a shout of praise. Lift Him up. Lift Him up.
2: He's worthy. He's worthy. He's worthy. He's worthy. He's worthy, God. You are worthy, Lord, of all my praise, of all my adoration. Jesus, Receive. Receive glory. Receive honor. Don't get tired. Don't get tired. Give Him praise. Receive glory. Honor. Honor and blessing. And power forever. Forever and
0: ever, Lord. Receive it, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Jesus. His Spirit is here today. His Spirit is here right now. is here for you for you oh God he's touching your heart will you lay it down will you lay it down will you be my lover says Jesus you don't have to worry about me loving you Says, Jesus, my love for you is unending. It's evident. Will you love me? Will you love me back? Oh, God, thank you today, Lord. Thank you, God, that you are here. That your presence is known. That you're not make-believe that we're not conjuring up anything else but the Spirit of God in this place. We're not calling down a group type of brainwash session. Lord God, you are here, and you're piercing our hearts. Bless every individual in this place, every person in the name of Jesus. Give the Lord a hand clap. Hallelujah. Give your neighbor a high five. Right now, we want to dismiss all the children, the king's kids. If that's you and you're a cute little kid, just run on back there. They got some stuff for you to do. (laughs) You can have a seat in the presence of God. My name is Ishmael Lopez. I'm an elder here at Metro Praise, and uh, all that means is uh, that I'm, a, I'm your servant and that I'm here to uh, serve you in the body. Amen. And that's all that means. And, you know, I've gone through discipleship through Pastor Joe and Pastor uh, Jared. They've mentored my life, and all these people have mentored me. And God is just glorious. Amen. And you're probably asking, what is this guy doing wearing his hard hat and safety vest? Well, you're going to find out in a minute. <laughs> Romans 6, 23 says, for the wages of sin is death. Raise your hand if you have a job. Okay. And you get a wage, right? You get paid by the hour usually or a salary. How many of you know that the payment of sin is death? So those that are sinning are getting paid. Okay. Okay. So wait a minute, wait a minute. What are you telling me, Ishmael? Are you telling me that sin is a work? Yes. You are working hard to go to hell. Okay? Sin, the payment of sin is death. Amen? In the book of Galatians chapter 5, it says, The works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousy, outbursts of wrath, Selfish, ambitious, dissensions, heresies, envy, murder, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. Everything that's similar to that is a work. You're working. You getting this? There's a wage attached to that. You're getting paid in death, the Bible says. Of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in times past, those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Amen? So there are some of you that are employed that way in this place Unfortunately Some of you, the boss of you is sin and, that's, and that list is what you do And you love your job That's what you do, I'm sorry I'm sorry to tell you that you love your job You're one of these guys, have a hard head they ha- You have not given your heart to Jesus Amen And you need to repent today, amen I don't, mean to be, I don't mean to come down hard on you, but that's just the gospel. I can't water that down. I'm sorry. Amen? Let's take off our hard hats today and stop that work. Amen? Now let's go to the next verse here. Because there's some a lot of religious folks that think if I do this, if I do that, then I'm good. You know? But what does Jesus say? Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord shall enter the kingdom of heaven but he that does the will of my father which is in heaven many will say to me listen to this in, on that day Lord, Lord did we not prophesy in your name? did we not cast out evil devils? did we not do marvelous works in your name? and then I will profess to them I never knew you depart from me Worker Worker Of iniquity See there's some of us That think that just by coming to church And going through the motions The religious motions That we're putting on a safety vest Look at me You can see me from afar You can see my works Jesus That must be good enough I'm casting out devils in your name I'm healing the sick in your name And Jesus will say Depart from me Worker of iniquity I never knew you See there's two types of people that go to hell There's the blatant obvious sinner Okay Obviously blatant Paul said the deeds of the flesh The work of the flesh is obvious It's evident And there's the religious person Those who think that by works By their their duty They're earning a place in heaven let me just tell you the other half of that verse in Romans 6.23. It says, but the gift, someone say gift, the gift. That doesn't sound like a wage to me. It doesn't sound like something I have to work for, does it? The gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. There's nothing you can do to earn it. There's nothing you can do to satisfy What God requires, Jesus is the ultimate satisfier of the requirements of God. And that's how he did it. Look on that screen. That's how he did it. He took it for us. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. Father God, I just pray right now that this word would pierce our hearts, Lord. Lord Jesus, it's not by might, by strength, by power, but by your spirit. Lord Jesus, we receive your spirit today. Lord, I pray that everyone would rest in you, that the sinner would rest, put down their sin, that the religious would rest in you, Jesus. In the name of Jesus, amen. We have two awesome leaders here, our pastors in this place, uh, Griselda and Berto. And if you want to know Jesus today I'm telling you, man He changed my life And He wants to change yours too Just let Him, amen Talk to them They're going to plug you in To a church, to our church and to the, our life groups And uh, God wants to do something in your life He wants to use you today Let's all stand up Now, every week we, rec- we recite a creed here Our confession of faith And You know, these aren't just empty words. These aren't just things that we say and, you know, they they mean nothing. No, this is what we believe. Amen? Say amen. On the count of three, we're going to confess this. One, two, three, together. I believe in one God and creator who is the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Father who so loved the world. The Son who purchased my salvation in his death burial and resurrection and the holy spirit which makes me new and abides in me forever i believe in the perfect holy bible that reveals god's purposes and plans for my life i believe in the second coming of jesus who will judge the living and the dead i believe in the eternal reward of believers in jesus and the eternal punishment for all unbelievers in jesus i believe in the united church of jesus Christ built upon apostles, prophets, and elders and deacons, in which the gates of hell shall not prevail. I believe in the salvation for all mankind. It is by faith alone, in Christ alone, and grace alone, glory, and for the glory of God alone. Amen. Somebody shout amen. Man, God is so good. You know the reason why we recite this is because it's our worldview it's what we think and here we go whoever's, whoever's up next can just come over here and uh, just take the mic from me and stop making make me look not so goofy go hug somebody
3: shake somebody's hand amen
1: good. Praise the Lord. Welcome this morning to the house of God. If Jesus is worthy of your praise, come on and give him a hand clap of praise with me, please. There's no one like Jesus. Amen. Every Sunday, 10 a.m., we meet here. Sunday morning service, we get in the presence of God. Let me encourage you. So I've seen some familiar faces here. I want to encourage you to go out there, win your family, tell somebody about Jesus, invite them to experience what God is doing in this place. Isn't God awesome? Just during that time of worship, in the time when the gospel presentation is going on, can't you feel the Lord touching your heart? Whether if you've been saved, it's your first time here, God is good. And we want everybody that you know to experience that, amen? Come on now, every Sunday, 10 a.m. You can find us here next week, amen. Some cool things going on throughout the week. We have our Wednesday King's Kids Ministry. It's a ministry for children 10 and under. You know, I was in a class one time when they did this research and this study. They say that children from 6 to 8 years old have everything in their makeup to who they're going to be when they grow up. Isn't that, isn't that crazy to think about? Like a six-year-old, they have everything in them from when they're going to grow up. At that time later on in life, they're just depending on what they're going to believe and what they're choosing not to believe. But everything in them is at that age. And the Bible says, bring up a child in the way they should go so that when they're older, they may not depart from it. See, even though they're young and they may be cute and they may not know much and they, they do things that you don't like sometimes, it's important to get them the Word of God. So every Wednesdays at 7 o'clock, bring your children out. It's so important. Amen. And then every Friday, elevate. Every Friday, we have our youth ministry at 7 p.m. This coming Friday, we're starting a new series. It's called Jesus is Bringing Sexy Back. Let's give it up for Jesus. Come on. And I know what you guys be like, whoa, that's just offending me. What well, we're talking about, we're not saying Jesus is sexy, but we're talking about sex. Okay? I think it's important, especially for youth, to talk about sex and how to do it right and what the Bible says about it. Because if God created it, shouldn't we be the ones that say, hey, this is how you're supposed to do it? We shouldn't be like, no, we can't talk about that. Because, no, 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 if God made it, think about it, God made it. He made man and woman. He made everything with man, everything with woman, and God said it is good. So we have to talk about it because guess what? Whether or not we talk about it in the high schools, that's one of the biggest downfalls. That's one of the biggest things that youth deal with. And sometimes they don't know what about. So if you know a youth ages 11 to 18, come on out. This is going to be perfect for them. Amen. Just some doo diddles going on. We have our life-changing devotions. If you are saying, man... I want Jesus. I want to read the Bible. Man, I'm crazy about God, but I don't know how to do it. We have a way right here. Life-changing devotions. You can look it up on Pastor Joe's Facebook. Every single day, there's a word of God coming out and an encouragement for your life. It's not easy things like every passage in Psalm. like, Give me something to encourage me. It's good word for you. Amen. The entire Bible is good word for you. Amen. Come on. So get in it. We have it online. Look up uh, Facebook for more information. And this coming Wednesday... We got The Incredibles. Come on, come on, give it up. We got The Incredibles, January 30th at 7 p.m. This is what we're doing. We're opening up the church, all right? The family feels. So, hey, listen, come on now. We're watching The Incredibles. Great movie, great time with great people. This Wednesday at 7 p.m. Next Wednesday. Whoops. Next Wednesday. Man, I'm ahead of... Next Wednesday, January 30th at 7 p.m. Amen. Oh, right here. Dress up as your favorite superhero. Ooh. That sounds like a fun time. Dress up as your favorite. Is that included for the adults? Adults as well. That's not just for the kids. So dress up, have fun, be creative, bring your entire family. Amen. It's going to be a good time. Here at Metro Praise International, we have a vision. Oh, the glorious gospel. How can I forget? Ha ha ha. The glorious gospel. If you weren't here these past two days, God was doing amazing things in our lives. We literally had a Friday morning, Friday afternoon, evening rather, and a Saturday morning to Saturday afternoon. God was touching our hearts. We had the pastors of this ministry pour into us, and God was touching people's lives. And guess what? You're about ready to hear some more today because it ain't over, baby. Come on. We have Pastor Joe coming on up, talking about the God of the gospel. But let me tell you what. We have packets for you. If you didn't get them, we have it all online. You're saying, man, you know what? I wasn't here. I missed it. I had work. I had this. I couldn't make it. Everything that we had, all the sermons, everything's online. So look it up at mpi.org, MPI Church, if you want to catch up and fill out some of the things you might have missed. Amen. Come on now. Here at Metro Praise International, our vision is to love God and love people. We're serious about that. We don't just say that we're really serious. And our strategy to do that is to connect people to Jesus. Connect them to the cross, mentor them like Jesus did, okay? The way he had his disciples, and then send them out. Some cool things. We are meeting every week with our life groups, okay? There are leaders here in the church that say, Man, we're gonna open up our homes because we want to get to know you guys. Amen. The church isn't a bunch of just a like clicks like oh all the leaders hang out with the leaders, all the youth hang out with the youth. That's not what it's like. Jesus, when he was here on the earth, the Bible says that he had children following him. I mean, how cool can Jesus be if the children wanted to be around him and play with him? I mean, we have some adults here, children be like, I don't want to be around that person, you know. But Jesus was that kind of guy where everybody was attracted to him. He's just like, whoa, I need to be around this guy. something different about him. And so at our church, we try to be like Jesus, amen. That's only biblical. We're saying, look, we're going to open up our home, and we're going to talk about Jesus. We're going to love like Jesus did, amen. And that's the way we go about it. We believe that if we do this, connect you to the cross, mentor you, send you out. We have a goal of 100,000 disciples here in this city. Amen. With 50 churches to plant and 500 around the world. If you believe God can do it using us, going to say amen. Amen. You're going to be a part of it. Look to your neighbor and say, you're a part of it. Hallelujah. Touch him on the shoulder and say, you're a part of it. That's right. <laughs> Bless him, Lord. And <laughs> know you're a part of it. Amen. God's going to do it using you. Amen. Let's prepare to give our tithes and offering in this place. God is good. God is good. If we can get the music, just the Lord, a little bit down for me, please. A tithe is 10% of your total income, okay? But we talked about it. You have a job. A tithe is what you give to God because God is good, because he's deserving of it. So many people think, like, man, God, he just wants 10%. Man, God is a little bit stingy. Like, 10% of $100, $100 is what? $10? And we're like, man, God, I got 90 bucks to do with, I, I don't know, I got to pay bills, I got to do this and this and this. See, tithes and offerings are a concept. Really, God wants your entire life. He wants all of it. Your family, your job, your finances, your future. He wants it all. But he said, hey, listen, tithe, give them to me. Then an offering is whatever you give to God after your tithe. And some cool ways you can give your offering is to the church. What we do is we're saving it up and we're giving to people all across this nation. We're saying, God, you're giving us a vision, not just here for Chicago, but for this world. Think about it. Imagine if you were the disciples early when Jesus was saying, Hey, go and make disciples of all nations. And all they knew was Jerusalem and the surrounding towns around it. Like, you're going to touch them all. And they're like, okay. I mean, that might have been frightening. That might have been scary. But they went out and they did it. And the power of God was changing people's lives. And when you give, you enable us. You enable the church to say, hey, look, we're going to go and do this. We're going to further his kingdom. Amen. Come on, praise God. You guys can open up your Bibles with me. We're going to get into this really quickly. To the book of Acts. Amen. I believe it is Acts 4. Let's see here. Acts 4, verse 32. See, this is what the church looked like. When Jesus came and said, look, you're going to wait for me, wait for the Holy Spirit. I'm going to give you power and then send you out. Man, they were moving. The Bible says that Peter, he went out and he preached a sermon. Man, I got to get my hands on that sermon. You know what he was talking about? He was talking about repentance. People coming to him and then what happened afterwards? They didn't say, hey, this is it. We got to click now. But the Bible says in Acts 4, verse 32, it says this. This is all the believers were in one heart and one mind. Somebody say one heart, one mind. No one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but they shared everything that they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and much grace was upon them all. Verse 34, there was no needy persons among them. From for that time to time, those who owned lands and houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone as he had need. See, this is the heart they had. This is is God's gospel. This is what he wants to do. And he's getting to use me. Oh, man, God's wanting to use me. I'm going to give him whatever I have and do it. Amen. So think about it right now. As we prepare to give our tithes and offering, man, what is God wanting you to give unto his church? You have a part to play. Amen. We all do. Pastors, the worship team, everyone in this place is important. Amen. We have some cool ways of giving online as well. If you you find yourself more tech savvy, we have that as well. Online bill pay. Amen. You guys can stand to your feet. We're going to read this scripture. Luke 638. Amen. Let's read it nice and loud. Luke 638. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, will be poured into your lap. But with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Let's pray. Father... We thank you, God, because, God, we're not in need. God, we can be in, in more uh, financial uh, problems, God, but, God, we have just what you've given us. And, God, we pray that you bless us to be able to give unto your church. Father, bless the youngest among us, Father, for those who are struggling to be a blessing unto you, God. We believe that you're building your church. Continue to do it using us, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Come on up as you give.
5: of you who have been here for the the conference, would you guys pull out your prayer journals? We want to just take some time to journal what God has been doing in our lives during this uh, time of consecrating ourselves. If you don't have one, what we're just going to do is write what God has been speaking to us. If you have a uh, notes pen, you can do that or you can write it on your phone. Oh God, you've been so good to us this weekend. Lord, it's times like this that we can grow and just go to another level. As Lauren just begins to sing prophetically, I'm going to ask that you would just think of some things that you just want to write down and those of you who don't know what to do, I would just say, close your eyes and talk to Jesus right now. Because today's message is going to be about the God of the gospel. So as Lauren does that, let's just seek his face.
3: the sun. want to feel your heartbeat, I want to see your eyes. I'm so in love with you, I'm so in love with you. No one can touch my heart the way that you do. I'm so in love with you, I'm so in love with you. And touch my heart the way that you do. Beautiful. World. Beautiful.
5: World. Hallelujah. Just as she continues to play, just focus on those things you've already wrote down for those of you who started this weekend out and, um, you just went big for God and you wrote some things down. I'm just looking at some of mine right now. And, man, how, you know, what has God done in those areas of your life? You know, uh, I'm just thinking about some of the things he's done in my life. And just focus on that just for a few more moments right now. And I'll tell you what to do in a few moments for the things you haven't seen. But I really want you to look at some of those things you have seen. Go ahead if you're still journaling, that's fine. We're going to take just a few more moments. But at the end of today's message, don't leave because we're going to come back to our seats and journal again. And for those uh, that are just new to this, it was a great conference. Sorry, we missed you. So sorry, we missed you. It would have been a great thing for you. But the good news is we recorded it and it will be online. But so sorry, we missed you. Oh my gosh, it was probably one of the most powerful weekends, if not the most powerful weekend I've had as a pastor. Just one of the highlights for me was after a Saturday night service, we're used to having guest speakers come in and prophesy and do great things and we kind of sit back and watch them. But after the second service, three leaders from our church, each took turns over the microphone and just started giving words, man, started just pouring out the spirit. And I just started seeing lives changed and chains broken and futures aligned. And I was like sitting back, man. And I was like, oh my goodness, this is so amazing. We didn't have to pay a guest speaker to be here. We didn't have to, like, hire somebody. The gifts of the Spirit are in the house. Oh, man, it was amazing. And then I just started hearing different testimonies of people coming up to me and just saying this, this weekend changed my life. And then they could be real specific. They could say this happened in my life. This changed in my life. I got closer to God, to God. Think about this, the God of the universe. People are saying they got closer to him closer to him it's like how well do we know him do we really do we really know everything about him do we know half about him do we even know a quarter about him if the knowledge of god is like the oceans of the sea the bible says this and it will cover the earth one day How much of the ocean can you go and grasp on your own? Just just go and hold and put in your hands. How much of the ocean? Just you by yourself. How much of it can you scoop up and hold on to? And the Bible says that the knowledge of God will cover the earth as the waters do the sea. And the joy that we get to have as Christians. The kingdom of God is with us now. We get to embrace Him now. We get to spend time with Him now. Just in review of what we've gone over, Pastor Jared spoke the first session about grasping the gospel, just holding on to it, just understanding it in ways you've never understood it before. Just being like blown away by what God did for mankind, grasping it god created us in his image we sinned but he sent jesus to die for us and the resurrection gives us hope in him and we put our faith in him our lives are changed and, and he just went so in depth he just kept digging deeper and deeper i was just sitting back there going dude i don't even know if everybody can catch all these points but it was like he had to do it to honor god he had to go deep in the foundation. At some points, people couldn't even say amen because they were just thinking to themselves, man, what does all this mean? It was blowing our minds to grasp the gospel. Like, how do you do that in 45 minutes? He did an awesome job, though then my wife came friday night growing in the gospel and gave some of the most practical tips i think this church has ever heard she said g r o w g get rid of your idols get rid of your job as an idol your family as an idol the pastor the pastor as your idol church as your idol money as your idol your abilities get rid of your idols Or remain in Christ remain in him on your job remain in him in your family stop being a hypocrite stop being a wannabe Christian you decide remain in Christ she came out strong man then oh operate in the gifts operate in the fruit of the spirit I could preach on that right now again I think that's why it happened. Operation in the kiss of the Spirit happened Friday night because you spoke it. You encouraged us. Woo! And then W wins souls. G-R-O-W. Grow. Grow up before you make Jesus throw up. Revelations 3.16 says that there is a branch of Christians that that Jesus says, make him want to puke. She said, grow up. And then in the morning session of Saturday, Pastor Adam came. And I said to him afterwards, I said, bro, you preach with a confidence, with an anointing that I had never seen on you before. From the moment he took the microphone, it was like he was preaching Jesus' words to us as if Christ was here himself. It was like, go and win the lost. You can't keep this to yourself. He said, it's not just for the pastors. It's for everybody. If you're a doctor, preach the gospel. If you're a lawyer, preach the gospel. And then he spent some time talking about hell and how we should not want anybody to go there. And I just sat back there, and I was thinking to myself, and I didn't get to share this with him yet, but one of the things that I was writing down during that that time is I said, God, as a pastor, never let me forget that. Because the altar call that we had up here, I just came to my knees and just cried out, and then we sang this song, uh, Pictures of Tragedy, that we would never forget. The pictures we see with Newtown and 9-11, that it would not become numb to me. And I remember just writing down after the third uh, session there with praying like that. I said, God, I just feel with those that were here that you're raising up a new generation of revolutionaries. Raising up people who are going to do more than just talk about it and come to church and fake the funk but you're going to actually raise up people who care about it who will go to the abortion clinics and do something about it who will go to the west side and do something about it who will take time off their job on their lunch break and do something about it I felt such just a power in that house at that time that even is here today because I think it was deep in the lives of those of you who were there and then in the latter session of yesterday We talked about getting the most out of the gospel and and other than the, the power encounter we had Friday night with the operating of the gifts, that was my favorite thing and that's probably that what that operation of the gifts made this weekend one of the most powerful moments of my life because we said now you've got to apply the gospel. You've got to apply it. So then we started off with one of our youth pastors, Pastor Ellie from Wicker Park. He came up and he said, youth, this is what you got to do. You can't love the world. you got to love God. you got to put your faith in God. And if you do that, he'll bless you. You'll grow up strong. You'll have a future. You won't be 30 years old, busted and disgusted, wondering what happened to your life. With three baby mamas, you will know that God gave you that blessed life. You don't have to wait till you're tore up from the floor up with an attitude whether or not you're going to trust the gospel because you messed your own life up. Now you're putting God on some little timetable. If you do it now as a youth, you won't have all those mistakes. Blew my mind to hear that. Pastor Ellie preached it to those young people. And then we talked to the single adults. Pastor Griselda and Pastor Berto came up and just said single adults you've got to guard your purity you've got to find yourself and your identity in Christ one of the quotes that she put down uh, she said I put it on Twitter blessed me she said only Jesus can complete you because a spouse will only compliment you oh Jesus I just feel that right now if every single person could get that she was talking about how single people you look for relationships to complete you to complete who you are to fulfill you and then you get upset because the church don't do it for you we ain't your husband we're not your wife we're not here to be a crutch in your life and you get into some relationship that's not going to work either cuz you're going to be unhappy And so that word just refined my thinking towards single. I mean, I knew it, but the sentence she gave it to me as it's changed my life. A relationship will never complete you. You will be married and unhappy if you're single and you're unhappy. Because that won't ever complete you. Only Jesus will. And then Pastor Chris and Vanessa came up and talked about marriages. And one of the things that just stood out in my mind that when Vanessa was talking, she was just talking about the humility of a wife and humbling herself and being submissive and saying, you know, I don't always feel like it. don't always feel like doing the laundry. But by doing that, I'm loving my husband as I love Christ. And some of us men, we were just clapping our hands. But I could see some of the women weren't even receiving it. But I was so happy that it came from a woman. Because she was giving us that secret. One of the things that that I always tell people about the secret of our marriages is, is that Nancy willingly lays down her vote to submit to my authority. And if I didn't have a woman that was willing to do that, my marriage would not be blessed. Because if we were always fighting for who's in charge, who makes the final decision, we would never be blessed. And that's why the Bible starts off with women, submit to your husbands. But then Pastor Chris came up and he said, but husbands love your wives as Christ does the church. It encouraged me so much and while they were talking, something spoke to my heart and said, let's have a a woman who used to be a single mom come up and speak to some of our single moms. And when Lauren came up, She started to speak about what it's like to be a single mom and what it's like to go through the challenges, but that the single mom is married to Christ and Christ takes care of His baby mama. Come on. And she talked about how putting her hope in Jesus gave her that strength to go through those hard times when the father wasn't around, when she wanted to blame it on others, when she wanted to turn to substance abuse to make the pain go away or to be in bad relationships just so she wouldn't be alone. She talked about how Jesus completed her as a single mom and gave her strength through those hard times. And when we ended yesterday yesterday, We had grasped the gospel with Pastor Jared. We had learned how to grow in the gospel with Pastor Nancy. We had understood how to give the gospel with Pastor Adam. We then got the most out of the gospel through the youth, the singles, the married couples, and the single mothers. And then we broke out in groups. And in my marriage group I broke out in, I went home thinking about some of the things that Steve was saying and I was just like, man, there are some good men in this church. And one of the things uh, Steve said at the end, because I said, has anybody got prayer requests? And I'm thinking, you know, somebody's going to say, you know, pray for me to help take out the garbage. Pray for me, you know, to not get mad at my wife. But brother Steve, he talked for about like five minutes and he, he said, pray for me that I will love my wife as Christ loves the church. That I will humble myself as a leader and be kind unto my wife. That I'll never forget that relationship I have with Jesus is how I'm supposed to have with my wife. And I just sat there and I was like, man, that was awesome. I was too tired to talk about it. But we could have talked another hour, man. I went to bed at 7, by the way. This wore me out. By the time, I think it was 7.30, by the time I laid down, closed my eyes. Oh, Lord. And some of those breakout groups went on for half hour, 45 minutes, an hour. Because people were just going deep. Today I get the honor now of closing it out. Talking about the God of the gospel. Will you give it up for uh, Lauren here? God bless you, Lauren. Thank you. Would you all open up your Bibles with me to John chapter 3, verse 16. John chapter 3, verse 16. The God of the Gospel. I want you to learn about the character of your God and what it means today to you and to I. John chapter three verse sixteen. Anybody know John three sixteen by heart? Let me see if you know it. I'm not going to put it up there yet. Let's say one, two, three. Come on, give yourselves a hand clap. Y'all know the Bible. Amen. I want you to look at this scripture with me here today as we get ready to talk about the God of the gospel and the conclusion of this wonderful weekend, life-changing, powerful retreat. Here it is. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. Did you know that in this verse you get to see the character of your God? The character of your God is that He loved you and I so much that He sent Jesus to come and be with us. And not only do you get to see the character of the Father, you get to see the character of the Son because the Son willingly came to lay down His life. And though the Holy Spirit is not mentioned here, He's mentioned in the prior verses above in John 3, 3 3-5, as it begins to talk about those who are born of the Spirit are those who have the Spirit. So we learn that the Father loves us because He sends the Son the Son loves us because He willingly gives His life. And the Holy Spirit loves us because He rebirths us and changes us and makes us spiritually new people. When we talk about the gospel, it's a Greek word, Evangelion. Everybody go, want. Everybody say, Ewan. Evangelion it is the gospel in Greek but what does it mean it means good news and here's how we give it a broader definition the gospel is the good news concerning God's glory and humanity's salvation by the grace of God through faith in Jesus Christ what we are talking about today is that good news that comes from God to us but it's not just about us it's also about his glory can somebody say glory Thank you. And that word glory means reputation. So God's reputation, his character is seen in the gospel, the good news. So the good news involves God and it involves humanity. We're the ones getting saved because we're sinners and he's the one looking good, getting all the glory. This is that message that we've been studying all week and long and how to apply it, how to live it, and how to be encouraged by it. And today I want you to see the character of your God. I want you to be encouraged by him. I want you to know that he loves you and has a plan for your life. I'm going to ask that they would turn down the lights because I have a video that I think shares this concept in a powerful way. When I had watched this video, tears came in my eyes and I just said, man, if I could show this to the church. I believe their lives would be changed as well. So I want you to watch this video about the God of the gospel.
4: God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Excuse me, son. Yeah? What have you got there?
6: Got some birds, some wild birds. Really? Yeah. Where'd you get them? Got them in the field over there. There's a field with wild birds. Huh. Yeah.
0: Well, if you don't mind my asking, what are you going to do with them?
6: I'll play games with them. Games? Yeah, I play games with wild
0: birds, yeah. What kind of games?
6: Um, sometimes I like to poke a stick in there, you know, and they'll be like going, gah, 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 like that, you know? And then sometimes I like to rattle the cage, and they think it's an earthquake, and they love that.
4: What happens to them after you're done playing games with them?
6: Mm, usually I feed them with my cat. Yeah, my cat likes wild birds.
4: i tell you what. I am fond of wild
6: birds. You are? Yeah, let me buy them from you. You want to buy my wild birds? Yeah. They're no good for nothing. They can't do no tricks or nothing. And when you open this gate, they're just gonna fly away. How much? You're serious?
4: I'm very serious.
6: Five dollars. Alright. Ten dollars. Okay. Twenty dollars. They're wild birds. They're exotic birds. You found them in a field. An exotic field.
4: All right, that's all I got.
6: see you looking at the cage. Yeah. What do you got in there? You know what's in there?
4: Mankind.
6: Found him in the garden. The funny thing is they put themselves in that cage. I had nothing to do with it. So what's your plans with them? I want to play games with them.
4: Games? What kind of games?
6: All kinds of games. I'm going to put games into their life that they think is going to bring them so much pleasure. Then I'm going to turn the world upside down. I'm going to make right seem wrong and wrong seem right. And then? They'll be damned for all eternity.
4: My father and I, we're very fond of mankind. I know. We want them to have access to us. So... I'm going to pay for their freedom.
6: You want these humans? Yeah. You know they've promised you everything before. They're going to turn their backs on you. Some will, and some won't. You're serious. Oh, I'm very serious. It'll cost you your tears. I know. Your blood.
3: Yeah.
6: It'll cost you your life. I know. You're willing to give your life.
0: I'm willing to give what it takes.
1: This reminds us about what Jesus did for us on the cross. He picked up that wooden cross and carried it to Mount Calvary because he loved you and me.
5: Come on, let's give the Lord a hand clap, amen. I want you to think about the character of God that is revealed in that skit. The character of God that said when you were at your worst, He would come and save you. What does that mean to you today? Does that mean anything to you? When you see the character of God displayed in His Son Jesus for His sacrifice for your sins, When we talk about the good news, this means that Jesus had to die. That we put him to that cross. That your sins, my sins, put Jesus to that cross. I want you to look at the character of God here with me. When we look at the character of God, we realize that there is a duality. Sometimes people want to focus just on one side of God's character. They want to focus just on his love or his mercy. And then there's other groups that just want to focus on his holiness, his wrath. But when you study the Bible, you can clearly see that there are two sides to God's character. You could almost look at it like a coin. And as you turn over one side, you see an image. You turn over another, you see a different image. It's the same coin, but there's two sides to it. When we look at the character of God, we see that the God of the gospel, He's holy in all of His character. Revelation chapter 4 verse 8 teaches us that. And then we see that He's loving in all of His actions. 1 John 4, 7 through 8. And in the same way, we see that He's just in all of His judgments. Revelation 16, 5. And yet He's merciful to all who sin. And break his law, Daniel 9, 9 through 10. Now I want you to think about this. If we only have a God that is love and has no holiness, then how do we define love? For example, when you meet people today on the streets and they go, my God would never do that, my God would never say that, my God would never judge that way because my God is love. The question is, what kind of God are you serving them? Does love in and of itself have any definitions? You see, when we try to say love is this, love is that, we begin to make moral qualifications now about love. Where do those moral qualifications come from? When we say that love is kind, love is gentle, love prefers another, where does that qualification come from? When we look to the God of the Bible, we see that the qualification of his love comes from his character. So how God defines love, his strong love and emotion towards us, is by his own character. What that means is, is that God out of love would never sin. God out of his character in love would never do anything unrighteous. So when I say I love my wife, if I define my character in the Bible, she knows now what that love looks like. But when we don't define our character unto Christ and unto the Bible, and when God himself doesn't define it in his own holiness, now love is is up for interpretation of whoever wants to define it. The rapist could say he loves his rape victim. Think about that. The child molester could say they love the child they molest. Pedophiles can be deceived in their own emotions and say this is love. As a matter of fact, when we look around the world and we see what people have done with their passions and desires or what they call love, we see all kinds of wickedness and hideous things being done. Just because somebody tags the name of love to it, it doesn't mean it's a good thing. Hitler loved Germany. He loved the people of the Aryan race. But out of his love for the Aryan race, he had no love for the Jewish race, and he called them rats, apes, and animals, and so he tried to extinguish them from off of the planet. Can you say that Hitler lacked love? Well, he had it. He defined it differently. And so when we look at the God of the Bible, if we always just say God is love, God is love, and we see hell as a place that we don't understand, we don't know why people go there, we don't know how people go there, then we begin to distort the God that we say we know. Because if God has love and it's undefined, it could be just as crazy, just as outlandish as Hitler's love. For example, there's a group of Christianity that believes in Calvinism that said at the very beginning, John Calvin taught that God looked over the human race before you were ever born, and he chose some to go to heaven with him, and he chose others to be damned and go to hell. John Calvin taught this to Christians in the 16th century. And still there's a sect of Christianity that believes that. So they say that God is somewhat like a Hitler. That he says, I love these, I hate these, before one has ever even been born. But how do Christians respond back in the Bible? How do we look to the apostles' teachings and say that could not be so? Because now we call in the character of God, his holiness, and God would never act unjust. So we defend a loving God, loving like Hitler against those who would defame his name and his honor. We defend it with his righteousness, doing which is right. We defend it with his mercy, having compassion. We defend it with his character of holiness. Then on the other side, if someone says, but God, He is so holy, He is so perfect, that God would never come to be with you because you and I are miserable creatures in His eyes. And all we can receive from Him is the hope of a pardon at the end of our lives if we've done enough good works. But He won't come and be with us. We're far too foul for that. We're a stench to him. He would never come and walk among us. He would never come and live in our heart because he is far too holy for that. Do you want to know what religious group thinks of their God that way? I'll give you a hint and how they call him out in praise. Allah Akbar. Alhamdulillah. Those who worship the God of Allah. Muslims believe that he is so holy and separate that he hates sinners. He has no compassion on infidels. He has no compassion on the Kufar, on those who are pagan. He only loves those who do what he commands. And at the judgment day, he will judge them not on his mercy, not on what he does, but on their works. A scale will be brought before them. Because they believe as long as you have gone through life, you've had one good angel and one bad angel following you everywhere you go. And that old cartoon that you've seen where the angel's here and the angel's there and they're both talking to the person. That is not a Christian concept. That's a Muslim concept because they believe that there's a good angel that follows you around everywhere tries to convince you to do right. Then there is a bad angel, a jinn, that follows you everywhere, convincing you to do wrong. Judgment day, the one good angel takes all of your works and puts them on his side of the scale. The bad angel does the same on his side. And wherever the scales tilt is where you'll spend eternity. And they actually teach that God is not a father. They call it blasphemy, shirk, to say God has a father. Or God is our father. And that he has children. To us, to him, we are only his creation. And then they are promised. There is one sure way that the scale will always tip in your favor so that you will be promised paradise. There is one sure way that you can always please Allah and be forever in paradise. And there's some virgins attached to it. That is if you die in the cause of jihad, holy war. So how do we defend the God of our Bible who is love and yet holy Against a false prophet named Muhammad who comes around in the 600s, 600 years after Jesus, 600 years after the establishment of the church, 600 years after the Bible, and tries to now turn a part of the world against the God of our Bible by saying God would never send a son. God is not a father. God would never live in your heart. God would never give you the grace and mercy. You earn it by your works. How do we come against that lie? By looking to the other aspect of God who Jesus revealed to us. Because Jesus is the one who spoke John 3.16. And I believe that Jesus is more trustworthy than Muhammad. Because Jesus says he had forever been with the Father. And so as always being with the Father at His side, He knew the Father. And He said to us about the Father that God, His Father, so loved the world that He sent Him. And Jesus said by saying sending Him did not mean just as a good speaker or as a prophet, but sending Him as a lamb to be slain for the sins of the world, knowing that man could never save himself. In Jesus Christ and in His Jeans, we see the greatest demonstration of love in sacrifice. And as a matter of fact, whether it's a Romeo and Juliet play or some modern romantic comedy, every story of love has paled in comparison than the story of God's love for his creation as seen in Jesus Christ. This is our God. He is not a God who winks at sin And defines love by his own whims. And he's not a God that doesn't care about you and doesn't love you. But he's a God that exemplifies holiness. He exemplifies love. He exemplifies to the highest degree justice. And mercy. When you look at him and you study him, you see that he is always fair. He is always right in his judgments. He always hears the other side. He judges fairly. He holds all things together. He sees it all as one and he judges over the earth in righteousness. And when he loves, he doesn't love conditionally on whether you do good or not do good or whether you're of a certain race or not of a certain race or if you speak a certain way or not a certain way or male or female. He looks at This whole creation in an agape, unconditional, unchanging, never-ending love. That's the God that we serve. He is the God of the gospel. I want you to see these points laid out before you today. Look at His holiness in the book of Revelation. Turn there with me, please. Revelation chapter 4, verse 8. Take a few moments to think about what I'm saying as you're turning there. God could be any God he wanted, but he is a holy and loving God. He has taken on the character that we can trust. I want you to think about this. Some people think that when they die, they're going to ask Jesus at that point to forgive them of sin. They think on that day, They're going to ask Jesus to forgive them. You know, I haven't always lived right down here, God, but now that I'm in your throne and I'm in your presence, forgive me. If Jesus was to forgive you without you coming to the cross here in this earth, he would be unjust and unholy. Let me give you the example. Imagine today someone murdered someone close to you. Imagine this. God forbid. Some here have gone through that though. But imagine this: someone murders someone you love. You stand before a judge, and the judge hears the case, and it's clear. they've got the weapon. they've got the security uh, you know the security cam footage. They've got the witnesses. They even get a confession. He says, "Of course, I did it. I didn't like this person." But now he stands before the judge he says, forgive me, I'm sorry, this was wrong. Imagine if that judge said, I accept your apology, all is forgiven, all is forgotten. You may go about your day. Is there something inside of you that when I said that went off kind of like an alarm and said, that's, that's not right? Why is that? He said he was sorry. The judge said he forgave him. Why is it not over? Because we hold people to a standard of what is known as justice. We, we say that, yeah, you said you're sorry, but there must be a penalty to be paid. There, there has to be something done to you. You just can't go around killing people, telling, telling the judge you're sorry, and then go back about your way, and go get a cheeseburger or a hot dog today, and go watch the football game. No, no, no. There, there's got to be some type of a punishment for you. Why, why do we feel that way? Why do we say that the punishment must fit the crime? Now, if somebody stood before a judge and said, I have a parking ticket. Anybody ever get one of those? And you stand before the judge and you say, I I didn't know. I I didn't see the sign or I was delayed a little bit longer in the store and the parking meter went up, you know, forgive me. And if the judge said, well, I forgive you, go about your way. How many don't really feel anything bad about that? You would say, that's pretty cool. You would want to hear that. But why is it when I said murder, you didn't feel that? Because there's a sense of holiness even in you that decides justice. You see, there's something inside of you. We call the image of God in Latin, Imago Dei, that when God breathed in you and made him like, made you like himself, he gave you a conscience and you're able to look at a scale and decide what is right and wrong, where it becomes a lie, where it becomes adultery. You're able to understand that. And then all of us together are able to understand something of a Fair punishment for those things that we do. We all have that. That's why in our court systems, we were able to have a jury do it, uh, you know, that assists a judge. Because we really believe that mankind, if you get 12 of them together, that if you get them together and they hear the story, the majority of people, if they're not bribed or don't have some type of corrupt interest, the majority of people will be able to figure out right from wrong the majority of people will be able to decipher what is punishable by X, Y, and Z or punishable by A, B, or C. Where does that come from? Our God, look at Revelations 4.8. Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around. Even under his wings, day and night, they never stopped saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. So we see around the throne room of God, angels are singing about his character. And if you don't understand the word holy, it's just one way of saying perfect. So they're saying, Our God is perfect. Our God is perfect. Our God is perfect. Our God is morally perfect. Our God is sociably perfect. Our God is relationally perfect. Our God is perfect, perfect, perfect. There's nothing about him that is unperfect or nothing that is in unclean or impure about his character. There's never a time that he judges with the wrong motives or says something the wrong way. There's never a time that he, he does something for selfish interest or for vain conceit or, or to abuse or to enslave. Everything he does, whether it's a command, whether it's him guiding, whether it's him creating, everything he does is perfect, perfect, perfect. How long has he been perfect? For as long as time has ever existed and before that, as long as God himself has existed, he's been a perfect God. Is he presently a perfect God? He is. Can we count on him to be forever a perfect God? Yes, he'll never change. Holy, holy, holy. He's the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And yet in the same breath, turn with me to 1st John chapter 4, 7 through 8. John wrote the book of Revelation, and he wrote this letter called 1 John. So obviously, he can tell us the other side of the coin. 1 John 4, 7 through 8, he writes, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from, comes from God in His perfect character. Love comes from who? God. How do I know Hitler's love was wrong? Because it didn't come from... Right? How do I judge my wife's love if it's good for me? She could slap me in the face and say, that's how much I love you. What would I say back? That didn't come from God. What if I said to her, men do this, don't they? Abuse their wives. You need that. No, I'm just, it's not funny. Let's be serious. Slap their wives. I just love you. I've heard this from men. I have to discipline my wife as a child sometimes. I have to, I have to help her. I love her. That love didn't come from, didn't come from, right? It doesn't come from God. Real love comes from God, and God is holy. God is perfect. And I'm sorry if people who have hurt you in the past have used love and not treated you as God would treat you. But that is not on God. That is on the other person in the story that we're not talking much about today, but we have to mention him, the devil. Because when the devil came to us, he gave us the choice to know good and evil. We could have been eating from a tree of life, living forever naked, never would have known the difference, and lived in a perfect society. But when the devil said, when the devil came, he said, Do you want to know good and evil? Do you want to know good love and bad love? Do you want to know love that comes from God and then a wickedness that comes from me in the name of love? And that's why we see them both today. But how do you judge what is love? You judge by what love is compared to who God is. Because God is love as we continue to see. Everyone who is born of God knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is, come on, say it with me, God is love. Thank you. So now we see this complete picture of who our God is. God is holy. He is perfect in his character, and he's also Loving. How many know if I gave you a definition of love right now, it still wouldn't compare to the feeling you have when you get love? Love is strong emotion towards one another that behooves an action of sacrifice and selflessness. It's a pretty good definition. How well does that speak to your heart? It doesn't even scratch the surface, does it? I mean, it defines it a little better. I mean, love is not slapping and doing bad things. Why is love so indescribable to us? Why is it when I look at baby Lucas right now and I say, I love you, there is something in that word that a dictionary can't even define how I'm feeling at that moment. There's not a word that can even define what I'm feeling at that moment. There there, there would you take all the words and put them together and, and I would speak them out for ten years and say, This is what I mean. You're awesome. I'll lay down my life for you. I'll treasure you. You you are my joy, and my hope. How many know I could lay out all those words and still at the end, it wouldn't describe that. That depth. Why is that? Because love comes from a God that is endless from eternity. And there's no height nor depth, no width to God. It blows every perspective, any box you put it in. God's love is indescribable. The Bible says no one knows the height. No one can go to the top of God's love and say, oh, I've reached it. No one can know the depths of God's love and say, oh, I've come to the bottom of it. No one can run to one side of it and put it in a box and say, I've reached it. And we know it on the inside. Just like we know perfection. We know moral standards. And we know how hard it is to obtain and it can never truly be done. No matter how hard we try. And yet we can understand it. And we can understand love, though we can never understand the depths of it. We just know what it is. We know when we feel it. We know when a mother looks at a child what it is when husbands and wives get together. I was reminded of this story when I was thinking about love and how much God loves us. When I saw this uh, story in Fox News, it just blessed me. And I would like to have this uh, be the story of my life with uh, my wife. After 65 years and countless dances. A married couple dies just hours apart. Clifford and Eve did everything together. And when their health was failing, their son Kip says that they were ready to die together. The couple passed away of natural causes within hours of each other at the hospital. The woman was 93 years old and the husband 90 years old. They had danced nearly every weekend together, painted the house together, were always close companions And when their beds were pushed together at the hospital, a nurse asked the wife, would she like to hold her husband's hand one more time? And she said yes. She died, and then hours later, he died. That's love. That's love, man. That's indescribable. That's a bond. And you know what? When God talks about love, he uses marriage as an example because that's the deepest thing we can understand. And then he calls us his children, which is the other deepest thing we can understand. You know, you don't choose your kids, right? So you get to learn to love a different kind of way, amen? Sometimes you look at them like they're crazy where they came from, but you forget they got your genes. They came from you. You can't send them back. That's how they got that crazy up in them because they got your genes, So we learn a kind of like, I got to deal with you kind of love with our children because we got to learn to love sometimes them when they're unlovable. And we see God calling us his children, and that's a perfect example of how he loves us when we're unlovable. But yet we get to choose our spouse, and yet he calls us that as well. He says that we are chosen by him. And so what this means, and I don't just mean to blow your mind and send you on a journey down Sci-Fi Avenue with Star Trek, But he could have chosen any kind of race or creature to fall in love with. But in his mind, he chose us and he chose personalities like you and me. He could have made a personality like Spock, a Klingon. He could have made a personality like those on Avatar. But he made humans, the human race. And then he could have made any kind of personalities. He could have made a personality like your little dog Fido or your little cat Num Nums or whatever to fall in love with. And he could be in heaven like a weird cat lady with a whole bunch of cats all around him a little milk that he puts out. But he chose you. And he's such a great big God, he didn't have to force you to be you. He started a process in you, and then he was able to lift off his hand and let you develop and become you by the choices you make. It's like an expert chess player. He can sit back and watch all of the moves before they're made, and yet not influence the person making the moves. He allowed you to be formed by the choices you would make, and yet he still chose you. He says, I still love you. How many know when he came down here and he was on the cross, he could have said back to the father, I don't think they're worth it anymore. But yet he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He is holy and he is loving. Do you love your God? He's not the God of Islam. He's is not the God of the Hindus. He's not the Mormon polygamist God. He's not the Jehovah Witness God. He is the God of your Bible, the Father of Jesus, and of the Holy Spirit. This is your God, and He is holy and He is loving. Would you give Him glory? Amen. He's worthy. This is why we clap for Him because He's worthy of it. We're not like uh, Ishmael was saying, brainwashed to do it. We do it willingly because with our rational minds, we understand he is not like the gods of Greek mythology. He's not like the other gods that we've heard from the Egyptians and Amun-Ra. He is unique. There is no one like him. As a matter of fact, when he was speaking to Moses and the people at that time, he says, You'll see gods make, uh, you know, people say gods are of idols and of birds and of cows. He says, But never do that for me because I'm bigger than any image you could ever make. He says, you'll hear of gods that will command you to sacrifice your daughters, and you'll hear of gods that will ask you to do hideous things. I'll never ask you to do that, because I'm a loving father to you. The thing that distinguished Israel from the very beginning days of our Bible being formed, and Moses being around and delivering them out of Israel, is God was saying, I am God, and I am all alone, and there's nobody like me. I'm worthy. And that's why we see when the prophets, whenever they would encounter God, they would take off their shoes, they were on Holy ground It was like there was a visitor on this planet That they had never seen before Never talked to before And they had to treat him different As a guest of honor That he was worthy And then I have a picture in my office That when he would come down and fire through his spirit People would be in awe Because he wasn't just talking mythology He wasn't just talking to us about mystery He would display his power among us And when he came Jesus in the flesh to be with us The people of that day never had heard a man speak like him. They had heard good people, prophets had come before, like Buddha and Socrates and Plato, good wise men and different religious figures, but they had never heard a person speak on behalf of God as if they were God. They wanted to kill him because they thought he was blaspheming all the time. But he said, I can't lie. I have to tell you the truth. I'm not from here. I come from my father and God sent me because he loves you. He doesn't want you to perish. People called him false prophets. They said he was out of his mind. They thought he was a liar. Some thought he was a lunatic. But he was the Lord of glory. And within 300 years, his teachings converted the whole Roman Empire 2,000 years later. His book is the most read book in all the world. His name the most popular. And today, Christianity grows eight times faster than the rate of birth because there's something special about Jesus. He's not like anybody else. Amen. There's nobody like our God. I want you to see this. He is holy because his character is perfect. He is loving because all that we would consider the depths of emotion and selflessness comes from who he is. And yet we can also say in, those same, in that same spotlight as we're looking at him that he's just in his judgments and he's merciful to those who sin and break his law. Turn with me to Romans, uh, rather Revelation sixteen five. Revelation chapter 16, verse 5. We see he is just in his judgments. So now imagine you come before the judge and now you have been found guilty of your crimes against humanity. You might say, well, I don't know if my lies are that big of a deal. How many lies have you told? They say, on average, you tell and I tell between three to five lies a day. That's what they say, three to five. I've got a little calculator right here. Would you like to know how many lies you'll tell? And let's say you turn 10 years old. Now you know the difference between a lie and the truth. And let's say you get to live to be 85 years old. So 75 years times two lies a day times 365 days alive. That's over 54,000 lies. Have you ever coveted, desired what somebody else wanted? Have you ever lusted after the opposite flesh, the same sex? Have you ever blasphemed God, taken his name in vain? Have you ever disobeyed your parents? Have you ever put things before God and where your life came more important, your family, your things, and put an idol, something else above God? Let's not add all that up. Let's just say it's going to be maybe hundreds of thousands of sins. Now you stand before a judge and you know he is a holy judge. He is a perfect judge. You can't say back to him, well, Jesus, (laughs) come on, (laughs) wink, wink. Come on, Jesus. You know what it was like to be a man down here. Come on, a lot of pretty ladies walking around. You know, because you made them. Wink, wink. He'll look at you and say, you fool. You fool. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 7, the fool goes the way of perversion. He will say, you fool, you detestable thing in my eyes. But hold on, I thought you said my God was loving. Yes, but he's not going to judge you just out of a wishy-washy love. He's going to judge you out of his holiness. He's going to be a just judge. So the gavel goes down, guilty, guilty of lust. Guilty of perversion, guilty of anger, guilty of bitterness, guilty of unforgiveness. You are guilty of idolatry. You are guilty of stealing. You are guilty, punishable for death in hell for all eternity. The Bible describes a God like that, and it calls it a good thing. Can you say a good thing? A God that will judge sinners and damn their soul to hell is a good thing. Because a good God would judge evilness. Just like we would want a good judge to look at the murderer and say, You are guilty. You deserve the death penalty. Why? Because the judge is a good judge. Look at Daniel. Or rather, Revelation. chapter 16, verse 5. Then I heard the angel in charge of the water say, You are just in these judgments, you who are and were the Holy One, because you so judged. Do you think if you were the one there with the family member who got murdered and the judge sentenced that murderer to the death penalty, would you be crying, feeling sorry for that murderer? Most of the people that are in courtrooms, when these things happen, they stand up and start clapping. Justice. You ever seen this? They slap each other high five. They go, yes, he's getting what he deserves. On hell, nobody, on judgment day, nobody will plead for you when you go to hell. Nobody will plead for you. When we see people stand before God and he says, you are sentenced to hell. People will clap and cheer.
2: Thank you, Lord. You are righteous. You deserve all the glory.
5: The angel, the worship leader, will say, you are just. And we will shout out in praise to him. You read the rest of those verses. We will say, you are an awesome God. We love you. Thank you for punishing sinners because of their sin. You say, but pastor, isn't there another side of the story? There is. Turn with me to Daniel 9, verses 9 through 10. But some of you don't understand it unless you get the first side. People are going to hell. God will judge sinners. On that day, not everyone goes to heaven. And when they are sentenced to hell, the believers, the born again, will rejoice with the angels, giving him shouts of praise and glory. As a matter of fact, before you have gone to the judgment, you will have watched Jesus in a white robe come on a horse and splatter the nations, and have his robe dipped in their blood and his sword dripping until the blood of over three hundred million souls are exterminated in the Valley of Armageddon, and the uh, the horses uh, the blood is as high as a horse's head for over seventy miles. But you see, this is no God of Hitler or Muslim God. This is a God that gave mankind a chance. And he said, repent. He said, Repent. He sent His messengers. He sent His Son. He sent the church for 2,000 years. You've heard His name. You've read His book. All of you quoted John 3.16. And so when He comes as the King of kings and the Lord of lords, those of us who are on His side will be rejoicing. And then the Bible says we will rule and reign with Him. Oh, praise God for His righteous judgments. But you look at Daniel, there is hope for you today, as well as there's hope for me, for all sinners. The Bible says in Daniel 9 through 10, the Lord our God is merciful and forgiving. Even though we have rebelled against him, we have not obeyed the Lord our God or kept the laws he gave us through his servants, the prophets. So how is he merciful? He can't just say to those who have committed the sins, the the judgments. He can't just say, well, just forget about it. You said you're sorry. No, because we've already determined by our own conscience for him to do that, he would be unjust. So for him to put down the gavel upon our heads, he has to do it. He has to say we're ungodly. He has to call it as it is. He's not an unfair umpire or a paid-off referee where does the mercy come from? Where does the forgiveness come from? comes from God so loving us that he sent his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life and as that verdict is handed down he's then going to open up a book called the book of life and he's going to say all creation has broken my laws they haven't listened to me but my son wrote their names in blood who here has been born again written in the Lamb's book of life the trumpets will sound and the believers names will be called forward and will be given robes of righteousness not because of anything we had done but because of what jesus christ did for us salvation is in him and then every knee will bow and tongue confess that jesus christ is lord to the glory and the reputation of the father that he saves sinners Sinners that deserve judgment, sinners that deserve punishment. Yes, He is just, but He's merciful. He's kind and forgiving, though we've broken His laws. And so, today, my friends, I want to encourage you with the character of our God, the God of the gospel. The God of the gospel, He is holy in His character, He is loving in his actions towards all mankind he is just in all of his judgments and he is merciful to those who sin and break his laws i would like for you just to hear this scripture in closing today would you turn there with me hebrews chapter 4 verses 14 and 16 hebrews chapter 4 verses 14 through 16 will give us our parting words today because that judgment has not yet come. And there is hope for every sinner to be saved and to experience the love of God. The writer of Hebrews writes one of the most poetic passages in relation to us and our holy God. He says, therefore, since we have a great high priest talking about Jesus, who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. So we have Jesus who went there and who was an advocate for us and is writing our names in the Lamb's Book of Life. Let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. Hold firmly. Everybody say, hold firmly. Verse 15, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted every way, just as we are, yet without sin. So he knows what it's like to be tempted, just like us, but he didn't sin. When he walked the earth as a man, he experienced all temptation, but he did not sin. So you can look to him as your example, and so can I. And here is that poetry slash theology slash boom shakalaka revelation. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Would you stand to your feet with me today? If you believe that he has amazing grace for you, would you bless him in the house of God? Hallelujah. Amen, band. Would you come in closing? Our God is amazing. His character is amazing. His grace is all that much more amazing. The song that Mr. Newton wrote after working on the slave trade for many years, he gave his heart to Jesus, renounced slavery and helped work for the abolition movement. Compared slavery to what mankind did to each other to our slavery to sin and he said amazing grace how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me that saved a wretch like me the judge tells us who we are without him Jesus doesn't save good people. I want you to hear me. I want every grandma to hear me. I want every older person to hear me. Every nice person. Every young person, sweet person. I want you all to hear me. Jesus doesn't save good people. Because good people have pride in themselves that they're good enough to be saved. I'm no Mother Teresa. That's what they'll say. I'm no Mother Teresa but I'm certainly not a Hitler. I mean, I'm leap years behind him. I mean, if mother Teresa's here and Hitler's over here, I'm much more further to this side. I don't need to be saved. I don't need to be born again. That's what they'll say. I don't need to be saved because I'm already a good person. So good people never are saved because Those who think they are good are self-deceived have believed a lie about themselves. They don't understand that their lies that they've told their whole life will be weighed against them on judgment day. They don't understand all the jealousy and envy they've had will all be added up and weighed against them. They don't know that their anger towards their fellow man is like murder and it will be weighed against them on judgment day. They don't understand that all the lust and all the perversion of their heart will be considered adultery on that day. They don't see that every time they put things before God and Doing things for God that it was idolatry, they don't understand that when they took his name in vain, that they became blasphemers because they're good. Good people can't be saved. But you know who can be saved? Sinners like me. Say like me and point to yourself. Come on, somebody, sinners like me amazing grace how sweet the sound come on say it with me that saved a wretch like me I once was lost but now I'm found was blind but now I see tis grace that taught my heart to fear grace made you afraid oh yeah because I know my judge my God is just Whew. made me feel afraid because if I don't have grace, I don't have salvation. Tis grace that taught my heart to fear and grace, my fears relieved. Whoa. So, so I'm not getting the gavel. No, you're being forgiven. So grace taught my heart to fear. Yes. And then grace, my heart was relieved. Yes. How precious did that grace appear the hour I first believed. Through many dangers, toils, and snares, we have already come. Because if you've made it to Jesus and salvation, everything that is bad and destructive is behind you. It doesn't matter what valley you walk through now. You'll never be alone. He'll never leave or forsake you. It doesn't matter what temptation you face because greater is He that's in you than he that's in the world. So now all that is behind you is as bad as it will ever get because this moving forward with Christ Jesus is the abundant life of God. Tis grace that brought us safe thus far and grace will lead us home. The Lord has promised good to me. His word my hope secures. He will be my shield and portion as long as life endures. When we've been here talking about heaven, 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we've known less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. Why will heaven, after 10,000 years of praising God, seem just like a moment? Because His love is unending think of it like this you get to heaven and you start praising god for the 80 90 years you lived and so you want to actually go through every second of your life and just give him a praise for it god i'm thank you that january 20th you woke me up in the morning and gave me health god you're so awesome god i thank you that january 21st you woke me up in the morning you go through all 85 years of your life you praise god Now God says, which direction do you want to go? And you go, what do you mean? Well, now that you've praised me for all of your life, you now can praise me for all of past eternity, or you can praise me all in the present of who I am, or you can praise me for all of who I will be in the future. Which way do you want to go? And you say, God, well, I want to praise you for all you've done in human history in the past. And so you you praise God for 10,000 years. And he says, You all know who I was before I created the universe? Take a trip with me. And you're just praising Him the whole way. Wow, you did this. You're like this. And then He says, oh yeah. And by the way, while you've praised me for 80 years, 10,000 years, you forgot about the present and all the future that's ahead of you. That's why after 10,000 years of praising God, it will be... Just as if one moment went by. Being bright shining as the sun. We'll know less days of God's praise than when we first begun. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Do it one more time. That saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Would you just pray in your own words for a few moments? We're not going to do an altar call today. The altar call is wherever you are right now. If you need to accept Christ, Repent of your sins and be born again. If you've already accepted Christ, but you're not living according to His Word, today you just need to repent and ask Him to change you from the inside out. If you're like me, you've been living for God, keeping your heart clean, would you just meditate on all that you heard and ask Him to teach you about His love? And today, go to His throne of grace and present your needs to Him. Thank Him and enter to the throne of grace share with god today whatever is on your mind whatever troubles you may facing dear saint of god he will surely help you whatever you may be going through in your family or finances he will save you from those troubles i'm going to give you a few moments right now just in prayer and then we'll journal before we dismiss but this is the great god of the gospel would you just sing something in the spirit as we just meditate on him now if you're not saved get saved, if you're a backslider, come back to the Lord and if you are saved already present your needs to the throne of grace
2: Bless you God, the God of all the the one who is the one who was the one who is to come We stand before you now, oh, everlasting God, and all you do and all your ways, oh, you don't change, you're not like the shifting shadows, oh, you remain the same, yes, you remain the same even towards me, even towards me, you remain the same the way you feel, oh, when you died on the cross, your love remains the same for me,
5: come on, just a few moments of private remain personal prayer. I'm having him sing prophetic because I don't want you to sing karaoke. If you've got a song in your heart, sing it in your own words. But right now, this is personal time. This is between you and God time. Especially for those of you who've been faithful to this conference. Man, just come on, tie it all together. Tie it all together. Ask the Lord to show you the picture he's been painting this weekend like we started off. And I said, we're going to ask God to show us the brush strokes of the painting of our life. Come on, ask him to pull you back a little bit from the canvas so you can get the wide angle now. That you can see what this weekend was. Come on, you may not get it all till tomorrow next week, but just ask him to pull you back a little bit. God, show me what you did in me. Show me what you're doing in me, God. Let me understand your ways. Let me understand you, God. Teach me your ways. Teach me how to be holy like you. Bible says be holy for he is holy. Come on, Adam, just sing your own song. I'm going to sing mine. We're going to encourage this personal worship today. Come on, Lauren. And y'all just pray your worship. We'll dismiss in just a moment. But come on, this is our prayer closet this morning. We're going to go deep. I want to go deeper with you, Jesus. You've shown me so much about you.
2: I'll
5: never be the same. I'll never be the same.
2: You're You're always your way. Jesus, beautiful. You are always
0: good You are always kind
2: You are always holy You
5: are always loving Yes, God, I love you I love you You mean so much to me Show me your ways Show me who you are You're not boring, God I don't mind going overtime with you, God, because you're not boring. You're so much more awesome than even words can express. Now, just in an attitude of prayer, if you can, would you go to your journal? And let's just journal what God's doing. But, man, if you're praying and getting touched by God, just stay in that attitude or posture where you are. But I'm going to ask the band just to kind of do their thing again. And we're just going to write this down, man, because I don't want to forget. I don't want to forget, God, this weekend. You didn't have to spend time with me, God, but you did. You didn't have to come and speak to my heart, but you did. You didn't have to care about the little things of my life, but you did. God, I don't want to forget them. I want to write down these things, God, so that when... Other problems come. Other issues come. I'll be able to look back at this time and I'll say, oh, my God will make a way where there seems to be no way. Just like he did. Just like he did this weekend. He'll do it again. Would you just write down something that God is speaking to your heart? Oh, yes, God. a few more moments. Just a few more moments. Oh man. Oh man. God, you are so good. For those who may be visiting the first time, let me just tell you, we're not always this crazy. It gets crazier. (laughs) This is as normal as it gets. It only goes downhill from here in the world of normality. So, so if you like this, Come back next week. It gets even better. Amen. Just a few more moments, man. Come on. I hope that you guys got some good stuff. And and maybe just review it for those who are taking their time. I don't want to rush them. But we'll dismiss in just a few moments. Oh, yes, God. You've been so good. Help me to never forget what you've done in my life. If you can, just make your way back to your seat. I just want to encourage you as we get ready to dismiss and uh, end this conference. I've been really into this uh, Mount Everest stuff on Netflix right now. It's like it's changed my life. And uh, my wife will probably want to beat me down after I say this, but I almost want to try something like that. Uh, It's so weird. It's like it's, I know, I got to go to a mini one. Like the Sahara, Nevada, because a lot of people die out there. One out of every two people who try to climb Everest or K2 die. Um, So anyways, on a happy note... I've been watching this, man. And I've been like so motivated by these people. It's like amazing what they go through. They have to ascend uh, to 20,000 feet. Mount Everest is 29,000 feet. Uh, planes fly around 30,000 feet. So they're like right there where, you know, where planes fly. Uh, not, not a lot of oxygen. At the highest peak, a third of the oxygen. Uh, what we're used to is so they have to do uh, air mass. Very few people can walk there without it. And so what they do is they come to 20,000 feet. They call this the base camp and they literally have to live there for almost a month before they can even ascend up because uh, it's just inconvenient to climb with the mask on the whole time and they really only do that for the last phase the, what they call camp Four to the mountaintop which is only about like a thousand feet but even then with the mask they walk so slow because their body's deteriorating they're in a very low alti- uh, low atmosphere in high altitude and uh They'll spend a month up there, man, just going through everything they possibly can to train their body. They do exercises, they're adjusting their lungs, they have days off and all of this, but they're really working out in that low atmosphere to to ascend the hill. Long story short, they're there for a month before they even go up there. Well, when they get up there and they're finally there, I mean, very few people even make it there. And you're happy you made it. I mean, you're just like, oh my God, I made it. Thank you. You know, like you're happy to the Lord, even if you're not a Christian, they're Christians when they get up there. You know, I mean the beauty, wink wink, not a true Christian. But you get what I'm saying? There's no atheist up there because it's like, oh my goodness, our God made this. So they get up there, they're happy, but here's the problem. Here's the problem. Eighty percent of deaths and accidents happen on the descent. Because they spend all of their energy going up there, spending their time taking pictures. One guy, while he was up there, he took off his glove because he was holding up a flag. He lost all of his fingers to frostbite on both hands. Because while he was up there, he was holding up that flag. And he did it too long. He lost all of his fingers. 80% happens on the way down. What do I want to encourage us with today? Everyone who went through this, and even if you just came today, that's awesome. You're loving God. We have to know how to go through the valleys of life because this was a mountaintop. You took in a lot of information and revelation, and God was speaking to you. I mean, these last five sessions I've been through, I've had God speak to me more than He has the whole entire year. It's only been 19, 20 days in the whole entire year, but you guys get what I'm saying? But boom, boom Do I get any help? No, okay So God spoke to me more this weekend Than he has the whole entire year Because I heard a lot from him well, guess what? Not every day is going to be like that. Not every day am I going to be able to wake up and spend two hours with you guys and go out for lunch and spend another two hours together. I mean, we're going to have to go through some tough times now, right? We've got to go back to work Monday. We've got a lot of this stuff that changed our hearts, but we've got to go back and do what we've got to do. And it's not going to always be easy. But here's the encouragement. We can stay strong with God. He can allow us to not experience those pitfalls. And the scripture I'd like to give is Psalms when it says, Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of the death, I will fear no evil for rod and staff are with me walk with jesus this week amen as you come away from the conference hold on to this treasure these things go back and listen to them they'll be online probably about seven to fourteen days one to two weeks you know check it out you'll see me blowing it up over facebook but just hold on to it okay don't get discouraged don't let life bring you down in your spirit you might have to come down from the mountain But don't let the mountain come down here in your heart. Amen. Stay up with Jesus. You're seated with him in heavenly places. Amen. He's never going to leave you or forsake you. The same God that was here will be the same God on the job in the cubicle. Amen. Let's all stand to our feet. And can we just thank everybody that made this weekend a possibility. The children's workers. The worship band. Thank you, guys. The sound men. All the work that went into that. Come on. Let's just give them all a hand clap. Amen. Cynthia for making this awesome. Amen. Who's one of my new radicals? Let's have this young man here. I don't know your name, sir, but you've been coming for a while. What's your name? Rudy, come on down here, man, and pray for it. Rudy or Ricky? Well, I had it right. Okay, come on, Rudy. Let's give it up for Rudy. He's been hanging around for a while, but this weekend you got in deep, right? Maybe just tell it. Tell the people two seconds, because they got to go to lunch. Hey, Amen. We can't keep them all day. I wish we could. And then pray for us. Well, it's, uh, I just want
4: to thank Lord Jesus first of all. Uh, I've been coming here for a while, and uh, just having reached that level that I wanted to to be able to let go of the past that was holding me back. Things that were the devil was deceiving me, saying that I cannot change, and uh, trying to think that I had to be perfect before I came and, and reached the level that I wanted. I made the choice to come to this because it literally blew my mind away. It just transformed me. I felt the God, like, I've never felt it before in my life. Um, to make a long story short, I was, you know, I raised up Christian all my life, and um, I waved away from the Lord when I was about 16, 17 years old. When I turned away. I was raised. Um, that my dad and my God to push me away from that and use it against him and, and deceive me. And the, the last time I had gone to church before here was about 12 or 14 years, the last time I ever stepped in the church, and uh, I reached the uh, last year at a low point in my life, and uh, where I could have gone either way, I could have literally destroyed my life, completely. but thank God I chose to turn to him, which is the best choice that I made, and um, I felt his presence, Wow, you know, it's kind of amazing. So, I just want to thank you all for embracing me and making me feel welcome because I felt like an outsider, you know, and uh, just feel so welcome here with everybody. I just want to thank the Lord. Just praise Him. Thank God. Okay, so thank you, Lord Jesus. I just want to keep. As possible. If you can change me, Lord, somebody like me that I thought was condemned I thought that it was impossible for me to change was just accepted of my life thinking that I was just to be condemned literally accepting that I was going to go to hell in my mind and for you to change that and just renew me and show me the truth that you are that you are in my life now and how you can change it and you can do the lives and you change the miracles in this place there's great things going on here and I feel the presence here in the Lord and when Pastor Joe and his preaching just touches my heart and just like he's literally preaching to me directly and I hope that touches everybody's heart here and keeps it and keeps it real and bless you guys in your life and don't forget what happened here because I know that I won't because my life from this weekend on is completely different and completely changed. Thank you in the Lord Jesus name. Amen.
5: Come on, greet somebody and say, It's no party like a Holy Ghost party. God bless you. Keep partying for Jesus. We're going to have the after party now. We're going to sing some songs. You're dismissed. We'll see you at Life News. But hang out a little bit if you got time. God bless you.
2: love you like I love you, Lord. Because I was made in your heart. I was made to bring you joy. No one. purpose. Now I have a destiny. You made me for your glory. You made me for your glory. Now I have a purpose. Now I have a